This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today, we have a best-selling author and speaker who has appeared on networks including Fox TV, ITV, BBC, and Channel 5. She's been featured in Forbes and one of the top 21 emerging females to watch in 2018 and is a regular contributor for publications such as Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and Addicted to Success. Her next book, Game of Phones, Build an Empire from Your Mobile, is scheduled to release this year, 2020, and will help you rise in power and influence online. This is something really fascinating. Welcome, everybody, to Luana Ribeira. How's it going, Luana? Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm really happy to be here. It's a pleasure having you here. So, uh, I mean, we're, we're going to talk about everything. Let's start with your name. That sounds Portuguese. I changed my name. I changed my full name. I had a crazy experience, a really crazy experience two years ago now, which saw me running off from the UK in the middle of a media storm, living wild in Portugal for three months, having a complete identity crisis, <laughs> rediscovering myself and changing my whole name. I just felt like um, I'd transformed so much. I needed a new name to reflect that. And I was in, you know, rural Portugal. I was obsessed. Right. So I lived wild. Mm-hmm. I bathed, uh, washed clothes and drank from a nearby river. I loved this river. Like it was just my, oh, it's so healing. And so Ribeira is um, Portuguese for river. Mm. Okay. I was close to it. It's Ribeiro. <laughs> um, yeah, and Luana, similar to Moon. It's nice. Lu- uh, Luna is Moon. So, yeah, so I just thought, why not have a Portuguese name? But you know what? I'm going back to the UK soon. <laughs> and now I've got a Portuguese name. Oh, well. <laughs> well, that sounds, that sounds very good. So, uh, do you want to touch a bit on, the, on that crazy story? Yeah, well, it's what got me into doing what I do now, actually, with the media stuff. Um, I was very used to being in the media because I used to be an actress, believe it or not, for horror films. And so I was used to being in the media. You know, it wasn't, it it was just what I was used to. But nothing major, you know, I I was frequently in the media. Um, But I guess it was quite safe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I was quite comfortable in that world. And two years ago, I was happily married I, um, I was running a successful acting academy, I had four venues in the UK, absolutely adored it. Um, I lived in a nice place. It's basically, for anybody looking at the outside in, I had it all. I had it all, okay? Um, I was going on fancy holidays, you know, all of this stuff. And then I remember the date, it was the 13th December, my husband came home and told me he was transgender. So that was new. Um, so it took me a while to process that, (laughs) but you know what? (laughs) Sorry, he was, he was transgender. transgender. Yeah. You wanted to be a woman. Also, he he wanted to become, he wasn't already. No, he wanted to become a woman. Okay. So (laughs) my response was quite similar to, to yours just then. Actually, I literally just went, what? 
what does that mean? I knew what it meant. I just wanted him to say it, you know, and there is a reason I'm still calling him him and I will get to that in a bit. Um, so that happened. And you know what? I'm a massive believer that everybody should be who they truly are inside. Otherwise they're never going to be happy. So as shocked as I was and confused, I was also incredibly proud and I decided, you know, okay, I'm going to support you through all of this, whatever you need, I'm here for you. Uh, we didn't make any decisions as to what would happen in the future. We basically just said, well, let's see what happens. You know, let's just be really, our game plan was we would just be really open and honest with each other and um, see, see what happens. So I was talking to a journalist about my latest horror film. The story that went out wasn't even about my film. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it, well, mm, I slipped up and she asked me a question and I said, oh, yeah, my husband, I mean, my wife is really supportive because I'm still getting my head around it at that stage. Yeah. And she went, hang on, what? And at that point, I had a choice, didn't I? What my actual choice was, nah, let's see what happens. Because we'd already thought about it. And the thing that struck me was I was looking for help. I was looking for um, some sort of hope. All I could see around this topic was bitterness, you know, bitterness yes. from ex-wives, families and all of that, which is, you know, it's understandable because there's a lot of hurt. But I didn't feel like that. I, and I couldn't relate to all of that. I didn't feel angry. I didn't feel hurt. I was confused, but I didn't feel any of that. You know, I was just like, okay, our marriage is evolving now into something else. It's all fine. Um, so we decided that we would, we'd already talked about the possibility of talking about it in the media and giving a fresh perspective on it, but I wasn't expecting it to happen that quickly. So anyway, I wasn't expecting it to be a big story. People, you know, people come out as being transgender every single day. I didn't think it was going to take off the way it did. But when I woke up the next day, we were all in every newspaper in the UK. Um, oh we were, we had producers, TV producers knocking, literally knocking on our door. And I was like, how do you know where we live? Um, <laughs> and, you know, we accepted some of these TV bookings, some of them we didn't. Then it went international. It reached the US, Australia, and we were being invited onto documentaries. We had a, um, an offer for a two-year documentary, which was all about us and our life. And it was like, whoa, this is crazy. Then after six months, there was another bombshell. Um, my husband told me he was no longer going to continue down that road. <laughs> so we went back to living as a man. And now I'm here thinking, wait, what? <laughs> so all of that was, what? <laughs> so I was confused probably more confused than I was initially. So I went, nah, do you know what? Oh, and by the way, we'd just done a documentary for a national TV show. So again, we had journalists like knocking oh. down, at, wanting to talk to us about this documentary. But by now, I'm so confused. I'm like, I can't handle talking to anyone, anybody. So do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Portugal. <laughs> went to Portugal decided, ah, I'm going to stay out here now. So I didn't talk to the journalists. Now, here's a big lesson that I learned from that. And this is something that I pass on to all of my clients. And, you know, I just want to make everybody aware of this. 
if you've ever got a story about you that journalists want to report on and you refuse to talk to them, guess what? That doesn't stop the story going out. What it does is it stops you getting your input. So the story still goes out, but it's all out. It's what they perceive and it's all out of your control. (laughs) So the story that actually went out was... um, saying that I'd broken up with my husband because he smells or something like that. Like it was something that I'd said in the documentary, which was about the change in pheromones changes the smell of a person. Um, And I'd lost attraction. You know, it's just something that happened when the female hormones kicked in. I wasn't in any way saying, oh, you smell, you know, but that's how, and I was mortified, but it's been a huge lesson. And, um, it, you know, it, it's from there. So I went to Live Wild and it's there, living in a ditch, actually, surrounded by a polytunnel that I wrote my first best-selling book. And then for a bit after that, I was leading this double life where one minute I was covered in mud in this ditch, no power, no internet, no water, nothing, two and a half hours away from any sort of civilization. I'm talking properly rural. And then the next day I was in a five-star hotel being pampered for a TV interview. So I was leading this double life for for a while and it was really crazy. But I I will say, you know, this um, living wild thing, it was by choice. It wasn't, it's not a rags to riches thing. I I had a house in Portugal and I had a house in Leeds and I chose to live wild because I felt like it's what I needed. I did, you might be able to relate to this, but do you ever feel like, um, everything's overwhelming and everybody's got an opinion and everyone wants to tell you your opinion. And sometimes it's like you lose yourself and what you know to be true because of all the noise coming from everywhere. So I needed to be away from everyone and everything for a while. I mean, that's an insane story. Uh, That's so crazy. Things must've been really crazy for you because I'm willing to bet that there are people still that, they cannot accept those kind of things. And because it was so public, uh, did you have to hear some things that you, you wish you didn't uh, or, or people were actually nice? Um, there was a mixture. Interestingly enough, when he first came out, and by the way, the first time people knew about it was when it was in the media. Before then, it was only very, very close family who knew. So... Everyone found out at once and our lives suddenly went into chaos. And on the whole, 95% of the people who knew us and strangers were very supportive. We thought, this is great, the world's changing. What people couldn't get their heads around was when he decided not to carry on along that route. Um, I mean, that was confusing for me as well. I was like, what? Like, what, what's going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but... And I guess I can't explain it now. And it's, it's, well, it's not even my place to explain it. That's not my story. I can only talk from my perspective. Um, but that, what, what that led to was people jumping to conclusions around, hang on, why has he got a beard now? Why is, why is he back to being a man? Oh, they must have been lying. Like, uh, oh, yes. it's crazy what kind of conclusions. But like, yeah, we destroyed our whole marriage for through media appearances okay there's a lot but you you get what i'm saying yes yes um well, and you, it, you, just, you even moved to another country and changed your name yeah, it blows my mind that people think and he actually 
took the hormones. You know, he was on the hormones for six months. We went private so that he could have them quickly. So, there were, um, so you know, his body was changing. His body, it's like, that. <laughs> it just blows my mind. It blows my mind that people could come to such conclusions. But there we go. There we go. The, the people who matter knows, know, so it's all good. Well, hopefully uh, it's only positive things from, from here on. And uh, you know what's funny is that you mentioned that you you went to Portugal. I don't know if it was kind of like your escape, your way to uh, mm. to get away from it. And funny thing is, uh, I actually have a farm in Portugal, and it is an escape, a piece of paradise uh, where it blossoms. Oh, yes, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> With vineyard and almond trees and walnut trees, kiwis. And uh, I wish I could go there more often, but the last time I was there, I was running a tractor down the vineyard, and it's so peaceful. Uh, oh, it's I mean, amazing, isn't it? Yes, yeah. It's uh, actually the fourth, fourth most peaceful country on earth. And uh, I'm in Canada, and you know, Canada is super peaceful. And it's, I oh, believe, I love Canada. I believe it's number 10 on the scale, and Portugal is number four. So it's. Uh, oh. Yeah. Have you ever been to Fiji? No. no. Fiji is absolutely, it's, it's probably my favorite place on earth. It's, really? Oh, there's just, it's really peaceful and unique. And oh, I love it. I love it. Do go to Fiji if you ever get the chance. I'll put, I'll put it on the list for sure. <laughs> put it on your list. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, you caught me, caught me uh, by surprise with that story, which is fascinating because I know people like to hear exciting stories and. Let's let's now move a little bit more into the business because we could talk about that all day. I bet there's. Oh yeah. <laughs> so let's start by defining a rock star. What makes some somebody a rock star? Okay, so when I talk about becoming the rock star of your industry, what I'm talking about is having that confidence, the inner strength to stand up, to let yourself be seen and stand out among everybody else. And as you'll be well aware, you know, the, the online world in particular, it's hard to grab people's attention and it's hard to grab people's trust, more so now than ever. Um, and a great way of doing that and building that trust and building credibility is by constantly proving, constantly proving the results that you're getting for people. And um, a great way of doing that is social media, you know, sharing client results, testimonials and all of that. Um, and then to take that a step further, going into mainstream media, if you're constantly showing up in the press, on TV, on this podcast, <laughs> you know, on other podcasts, and you're constantly opening yourself up to new audiences you're not only bringing that new audience back into your space if they resonate with you, but what you're also doing is building the trust and credibility in the people who are already in your network because it's one thing. Okay, I'll... I'll right, so imagine, imagine Sharon. Let's say Sharon's a business coach and let's say she's all over Facebook going, hey, I'm awesome, I'm the best. You might think that she's a little bit nuts or, you know, if she can back that up with actual results, you know, proof, then you might think, okay, cool. 
but it, still it might be quite forgettable among everybody everything else that's going on online but then if somebody is in mainstream media when i talk about mainstream media what i'm talking about by the way is tv radio podcasts magazines and press like newspapers and that sort of thing then all of a sudden it's somebody else bringing you on as the expert it's not you saying hey i'm an expert but it's somebody else and I, you know i don't know about you but i i wouldn't ever feel right saying to somebody hey i'm an expert i'd feel a bit weird about that you know i let people make up their own minds that's not my job but by being on all of these platforms continuously and that's really important it's not something you do once and that's it um, it's something you do on a continuous basis and it takes just the same amount of consistency and dedication as it does to um to set up a strong marketing strategy you know a lead generation system it's the same thing so if you're say for example you're going to start marketing on social media you've never posted on there before you wouldn't expect that first post to bring you loads of leads and new clients though it can happen and it's the same with media as well like you wouldn't expect one feature to bring in loads of leads and sales though it can happen but the magic comes with how you use it afterwards as part of your existing marketing strategy i always say to people pr isn't the marketing strategy it's part of an existing strategy and you need a strong marketing strategy first that comes before the pr so if you do that effectively then it builds and it builds and it builds. Media leads to more media. So then you're constantly getting in front of new audiences, bigger audiences. You're bringing them into your space. You're pulling them into your funnel. You're taking them through your sales process. And that's where the real magic happens. And that can sometimes take a few months to build, which is why the biggest mistake people make is they, you know, they'll come up with their story, their press release or whatever. They'll send it out to who they think might be interested or create a list or whatever and they won't, they won't hear anything back and they'll think oh that's it okay but that's not it <laughs> that's just like it's exactly the same as if you just brought out a new offer and you asked i don't know five people if they want to buy it and they said no and you went oh nobody wants this offer when there's another seven and a half billion people out there, do you know? So it's exactly the same with mainstream media. Um, I had somebody, there was, there was somebody who joined me and it was just for one particular story that she wanted out there. And it was because she, she's a breast cancer survivor and she really, there was a symptom that she had that isn't on the usual list of symptoms. So she wanted to get that message out there. She wasn't, she didn't want anything else. That's all she wanted to do. So I said, okay, you know, we'll keep working on this just until we get that story out there. And for a few weeks, it looked like nothing was happening. It looked like nobody was interested. So then we kept tweaking it, kept putting it out there again and again and again to, you know, different media outlets. And Friday, it was picked up by one national newspaper in the UK. By Monday, it'd been picked up by nine and it had reached an audience of over two million. So, you know, but would that have happened had she been on her own? Yes, if she would have been consistent. But like I said, that's, that's where people tend to lack where it comes to PR is they, they think they send something out once and 
if it doesn't get picked up straight away, they think nobody's interested, but it's just a case of tweaking it exactly like you would with, with an offer. You know, if something doesn't sell, you don't just go, Oh, it's not selling. You tweak and you tweak and you tweak until it sells and you keep offering. And yeah, yeah, so um, I was really happy about that. That was really good news, but that's it. Yeah, so media, that's true what you said. Media brings more media. So like you said, one publication picked it up, and then uh, if a big publication picks up something, all the other ones want to follow. So media brings more media. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Another point you mentioned. Reach the US as well. (laughs) It reached the US, it reached Canada. It reached um, other parts of Europe, yeah, and it, it had a reach of over 2 million. And, and the amazing thing is, you know, I was saying to her, so you've gone with a really important message, something that nobody's talking about for this particular symptom that isn't on the list. And she'll never know if that saved somebody's life. It might have saved more than one life, but she'll probably never hear of it. And don't you think that that's the most magical thing about getting out there and sharing our stories? Like... It's, yeah, it's about our business. We want to grow our businesses. Of course we do. It's in our blood. But outside of that, we never know how much of an impact we're really going to have. Like every time you release one of your podcasts, there's going to be some people who say, hey, I love your podcast. I've had you know, great results from listening to it. But for every one person, there's going to be so many more who listen, who implement, but don't actually contact you ever. And then they could be impacting other people. You know, you don't know how far it's going to go. And that, that to me is the real magic of sharing our stories and becoming Absolutely. really visible. Absolutely. I, I've talked about that before. It's the, the ripple effect, the things that are happening. The ripple effect. The things that are happening that you're not even aware of. And maybe the person isn't even aware of because they could hear something that I said or you said and they're going to impact somebody else's life using that information. And exactly. It's, it's so, so incredible. And, and it's true that some people, sometimes the ones that are affected the most with an information, hopefully positively they were affected, uh, they may be silent. They may not ever mm-hmm. say anything to the person that, uh, you know, that caused that on them. Uh, and there are others that are more vocal. And I do... Uh, since I do have two podcasts on my other show, I do get a few more messages and and people thanking. And I met some people in person, which is uh, oh, know, nice. I mean, I mean, that was so exciting. Maybe meeting people in person, and they have heard what I said when it comes to the e-commerce side and tips and tricks, and they have done it. And uh, you know, when you hear a success story that you have not asked. I mean, not like um, like you mentioned when somebody talks about you on social media and says positive things about you. That has a stronger impact. But often we have to ask. But when somebody mm. comes to you and they tell you in person, it's, yeah. it's an amazing feeling. Especially when it's somebody who you don't know. Yes. You know, like somebody who you've never heard from them before and all of a the sudden they turn up in your inbox or whatever and... They're, they're telling you about some amazing change that they made because of something they've seen that you I just find it incredible. Yeah, it d- definitely is. Because when it's a stranger, I think in the back of our minds, we start thinking there must be more, right? There must mm. be more because if this person that I never met before, uh, they may feel sometimes like they know us because, uh, you know, somebody that has heard 
400 episodes of my podcast may feel like they know me, but, uh, and then I have, I have not met them in person. Right. And, and I mean, it's, it's a crazy, crazy, uh, and, and great thing. So it's the mm. ripple effect. There's a good book yeah. out there. I think it's called the ripple effect and uh, it kind of talks about. That oh, well. okay. Uh, now when it comes to growing yourself and using social media, a lot of people don't do that because they don't feel comfortable. They feel like they may be judged. They or maybe I have a bit. They of, will. I have too much. They will weight. be judged. Yes, they will. They will. What, they, they will be judged. They, they will stop? be criticised. No. <laughs> do you know what? We're never going to appeal to everybody. If we're always thinking about what, if we're always thinking about what other people might be thinking about us, we're not going to. You know, we're not going to do the things that we're meant to be here to do. We're not, we're not going to get our message out there on a wide scale and achieve the things we want and pull in the people we want without turning some people off in the process. You will be judged. You will be criticized. It's up to you to work on your strengths so that you're okay with that and you just accept that. You know, there's, there's a lot. Somebody um, launched a hate campaign against me a couple of years ago now. And at the time, I felt like it was the end of the world. I wanted to hide um, because there was all of these rumors going round about me. And it was very, very hurtful, um, specifically saying, claiming that I'd been scamming people. And it'd be just the usual. I know by now that everybody goes through this. I know by now. Um, but at the time, I was, oh, I was distraught. But... What I did was, well, first I hid and cried for a bit. <laughs> then I got a grip. <laughs> and I chose, and this is where media can really help you and your own book, you know, because you're taking the power. Okay, so these people who were creating this campaign, they could reach a number of people. They could spend all day going into people's inboxes saying, hey, watch out about my name was Adrian Cohen at the time. Uh, watch out about Adrian, she's a scammer and all of that stuff and contacting my clients. Do you know what? They're welcome to do that. It's their own lives they're wasting. What I chose to do was go into the Huffington Post and share my story about it and offer other people advice. So instantly I could reach way, way, way more people than they could. And that's it. And I went into Forbes as well. And I showed that one of the claims was that I was lying about Forbes. And I was just like, hey, like, here's Forbes. Here's my story in the Huffington Post. Read it if you like. And I lost a lot of people, uh, which was painful. Uh, some people, regardless of what evidence you show them, you know, <laughs> they don't want to believe. So I did lose some people, and I'm sure there's still people out there now who believe the rumours to be true and all of that stuff, but they don't matter. They're not the ones. They're, they're not my people, you know? Maybe they were at one time, but they're not anymore. So I see it like a filtering process. You get rid of the people who don't belong in your space, and you attract more of the people who do. I, there's one post that I wrote on Facebook, and this... This was when I was being blamed for lying about, about my husband, actually. And I wrote my side of the story. And I had hundreds and hundreds of comments. And I screenshotted those comments um, because I wanted to remind myself who was there for me when I needed them, you know? Who these people are. Some of them, I didn't know them. But, God, you know, if I ever see somebody now who's going through something like that, 
I always reach out to support them because I know how terrifying it is, you know, and how it is really scary. But the way to the way to handle it is not to hide. The way to handle it is to be upfront, not to attack the attackers. That's only going to um, fuel the fire. But just to be bold and to give your side it, with no emotion, you know, just facts. State the facts. Show the evidence. Be done with it. And just, you know, let the people go <laughs> who are not on your side, you know, just there we go. They're, you're, they're done. And focus on the people who are on your side. That's great advice. Uh, I know that for um, an analytic side of things where you can measure it. And it's, for example, when it comes to your email, uh, your email lists, mm. a lot of people hate cleaning their email lists because uh, um deleting or removing from the list people that do not open or engage with the emails for they've been two years on your list without engaging and people are afraid to get rid of that and i always tell them if they haven't they haven't opened your emails or engaged with anything in two years or one year or, or months they are not your audience oh right? completely so they are ruining your at your stats your analytics yeah. just remove them they're not your audience same as with another one you can measure is in in LinkedIn. If you have a lot of connections that are not your audience, all your recommendations will become not your audience. So if you yes. have a perfect audience, all your recommendations and the ones that you will be recommended to are your audience. So why even bother with the ones that if they don't love you or don't care for you? Exactly. Uh, yeah, don't, don't waste I mean, energy. <laughs> I think people get really worried, you know, overly concerned about the numbers, but it's not the numbers that matter. It's, it's the quality of those numbers. And these people, you know, if they're there ready to call you scammer and idiot or whatever else, and they're clawing you down, bringing you down into their space, why are you even giving them your energy? And I know that's easier said than done. True. Um, but really, they don't deserve any of your energy. <laughs> Just wave them off. Move yeah. on. And unfortunately, that happens everywhere, and it's a sign that you are so you starting to become successful, or you are successful is yeah. when you when you have your first haters, <laughs> and normally your mm. first haters are the ones that are going to throw out the word scam, even if what you're doing is yes. free, right? When you're delivering free content, yeah. people still say, "Oh, this is a scam." <laughs> really? This is a scam. I know, <laughs> but do you know, I've got a theory around this, so. I think this happens because if we said, okay, so if, if we were on the same level as other people and then suddenly we make progress, so we're in a whole new level, then we've got a different vibe around us and they do, it makes them uncomfortable. It shows up all of their fears, all of their doubts. It shows up that they're not actually moving forward and they can't, they can't grasp how you've done it because they're not in that space their mind isn't working the same way so to protect themselves they will just make up how you got there and they'll make up that you got there by being deceitful and they'll make you out to be a bad person because of your success which is insane you know but that humans <laughs> we're complicated creatures what can i say that's so true humans humans that's all we need to say <laughs> Luana, you are a best-selling author, and mm -hmm. you are writing another book. Uh, it is The Game of Phones, so uh, that's a fantastic name. Uh, I'm sure this is going to be uh, – it's very catchy, so in re 
uh, rememberable. Is that the right word? Uh-huh. Rememberable. Yeah. So without you know without giving it all away, uh, can you talk a little bit about what people can expect? Yeah. So it's a book. Okay. So. It's taking lessons from the series Game of Thrones and it's applying them to business. So the book teaches people how to build an online business, how to command an online empire from their mobile phone, which is what I did. So that's it. And the reason I wanted to do this, it just, you know, the name just came (laughs) and that, that sounded fun, but also the people I work with for my book services and for my media are generally, you know, six, seven figure business owners, fairly established. So I wanted something for people who are newer to business, for people who are just starting, who aren't ready yet to take that leap into working with me, but who I can, I still wanted a way to help. So that's the purpose of this book. And I'm excited to get it out there. Um, It is a lot, it is a lot of fun. And yeah, so it it takes, oh, there's a lot about the, you know, the characters in Game of Thrones and quotes that they've said and just adapting that to be about business. And yeah, I can't wait to get it out there. Oh, Luana, that's like such a fantastic approach to a book with characters of a TV show that it seemed like the whole world loved. So, oh man, I can't wait. Just uh, let me know when, when it's out and I'll mention it here on the podcast. So amazing. So, so people that are excited about it can, can check it out. Nice. When it comes to writing books, uh, there's a lot, I mean, I don't know everybody, but a lot of people that I do know always wanted to write a book, but mm. they never do. And yeah, is it could it be related to also the fear of putting themselves out there or or is it something else it's definitely the fear of being seen i mean writing a book and putting it out there is like um i don't know like climbing up the eiffel tower naked and bearing your whole body and soul to to everybody you know that's what you're doing with a book pretty much you're bearing your souls to the world and that is a scary thing to do and I tried to write my book on my own for two and a half years before I actually got a book coach and then it took three months and I know a lot of my now from there I got great results in my book and then I decided to do my book certification and move into that it's I also help people with books because it's really good for helping them to get into the media of course so um it's the biggest thing but a lot of these a lot of the time, these fears are disguised under stories that people tell themselves, such as, I'm too busy, this other thing needs to take priority. And sometimes that's genuine, but more often than not, I find it not to be the case. You know, after doing some digging, it turns out that there's some underlying fear there somewhere. And um, <laughs> it's something that I work a lot with, something that I found over the years of working with clients on their book is that they think what they need is a strategy, step-by-step process, um, all of that stuff. That's not the main thing they need. What they need is somebody to call them out, somebody to nudge them every now and again, somebody to support them. There's a phenomenon that I like to call bookzilla. So everybody's heard of bridezilla. Do you know what? the exact same thing happens 
when new authors are about to publish books, they go crazy. They turn into Bookzilla. So it's something that I talk about. As soon as somebody comes to work with me, I talk them through what's likely to happen up here in the head. Um, I talk them through the signs that Bugzilla is trying to get a grip on them. And that can be things like suddenly deciding they hate their book, getting bored of their book, other things taking priority. Believe it or not, getting ill or injured can be one of them as well. Um, feeling anger, anger towards the book, anger towards the people helping them including me. So I make sure that they're prepared from the very beginning and we build a strategy right from day one. If you feel Bookzilla getting hold of you, this is what I want you to do. And it's generally, you know, reach out to me and we deal with it straight away and you have to be completely open and honest. Um, it happens to absolutely everybody. There's not one single exception that I've seen. And <laughs> by now you know the first couple of times I took it a bit personally I thought oh and now I'm like do you know what's you know what's happening don't you you know what's happening and I just you know I let them I support them I call them out on what's actually happening happening in a loving way and I let them cool off and then they come back to me and then we plan so <laughs> that's generally what happens and wow it's a massive transformational process. So it's no wonder, it's no wonder that these things happen. You know, yeah. the brain monkeys are going to be fighting and trying to bring them back down. And <laughs> Luana, being, like you mentioned earlier, you were a, uh, an actress on horror movies. So yes. being on horror movies or any kind of movies, when you have some acting skills, does that help you in life? Because I always imagine that an actor can do anything they want because they can act, right? If they yeah. want to, they can sound, be another person when, wherever they go. So mm -hmm. does that help you? And is that true? Acting changed my life completely. Before I started acting, I was, um, I was in victim mindset. I was partying all the time. I wasn't taking any responsibility for myself. I was blaming the whole world. My, I, I was a mess, you know. I was a mess. My life was a mess. Everything was a mess. Every area of my life. And um, I started acting. And the only, <laughs> it's because I got, I got pregnant, so I had to stop partying and blocking things out. And then this, I kept hearing this voice, become an actress, become an actress. No, go away, go away. Oh no, I can't have any more wine to block it out. I'm going to actually have to do this. And so I did. And it absolutely changed everything, everything. I was so shy that I couldn't even have a conversation with people. And I mean, people don't believe it now. It really, really transformed who I was as a person. And it's because the skill that acting gives you, and there's a lot of misconceptions around acting, Great actors do not become a character. What they're doing is they are pulling out the parts of their true personality that they need to be able to come across as that character. Like, for example, some people can't really believe this, but the character that I played was the psycho role. <laughs> I love horror movies. I love playing the psycho. So for that role, 
guess what? I was going to the deepest, darkest depth of my soul and I was pulling out my shadow and I was revealing that shadow to the whole world. That's what I was doing in acting and that's what, you know, any, any film you watch, you'll, you might think, oh, wow, you know, they're in character, but really it's a part of themselves. And I think it was Meryl Streep that said, something along the lines of, you know, people think that an actor is hiding behind a character, but actually they're revealing their, mm. they're bearing their soul. And that is absolutely spot on. And that's why I bring acting into absolutely everything I do. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now had I not been an actor first. There's no way. There's no way. That's, that's incredible. So maybe we should all take some acting lessons. and Yes, improvisation. That's, that, improvisation is the way to go. Very good. So Luana, tell me, what services do you offer and where can people find them and where can they find you if they want to hear more? Yeah, so my main offer is Done For You Media. And this, I get so excited about it because I, I love, nothing beats that feeling of when my clients get bookings or when I see them shining in their interviews. It's just absolutely amazing. So, um, yeah, so basically it's a pitching service and we help with their delivery as well. And it's specifically for entrepreneurs who want media to grow their business. And I also um, coach in books, in writing and publishing books. They both go hand in hand. And to find me, the easiest way is, oh, do you know what? I'm always on Facebook. Luana Ribeira, send me a message. I always reply. All right. I'll have, I'll put that link on the show notes, Luana Ribeira, just so, um, cool, cool. so everybody knows how to spell it. I'll have, and LuanaRiveda.com is your website, correct? Yes. Awesome. I'll have those on the show notes for everybody to check it out. Luana, Amazing. This is fun. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. It was a big pleasure having you. Thanks for subscribing to FailFast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit FailFastPodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story. <laughs>